After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host, talking the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they have had the backs of every hardworking tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the worksite. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. You're listening to Gloves Off Hockey with your friend Ben and your host, Mike Milbury. Mike, it's been a wild week. Happy to have you back, brother. How you doing? Yeah, thanks. I'm doing fine. And, uh... You know, the new year comes ringing in at the Winter Classic, and as usual, the Bruins win, and it was not a classic by any chance. We talked about it last week. They were really ugly. I mean, it looked like they had, you know, they were still reeling from a Christmas break, I think. But anyway, they win again, which they seem to always do. It's becoming, uh, you know, repetitive uh, in a big way. So they fly off to the West Coast, and the first team on the docket is the Kings, um, Kings are a, a pretty substantial surprise, not a surprise to the extent of the Bruins, but they're one of the top scoring teams in the National Hockey League. And they, you know, they, they need to clean up some things, you know, in their own end. But it's a team that was going to give, I thought, the Bruins um, a little bit of a, a hassle. And they did early. They, they, the Bruins were a little shaky, and, it, and that happens sometimes when you make that. It's a long way to the West Coast, boy. You know, you really got to shake your legs out. But um, this team is not bothered by circumstances of being down a goal early in the game. I mean, really, they don't care if they're down one, up two. It doesn't seem to make any difference. And last week I was yakking about their skating maybe becoming an issue. Uh-uh. Not so fast, Mike. <laughs> they um, took care of that for you, didn't yeah, they? They did. Um, but this this Bruins team has all sorts of heroes. I mean, up and down the lineup. The first goal in L.A. was a beautiful touch pass. Marshan to Postonok, nifty helper for him. Then Marshan himself on a power play goal. Power play been kind of slipping a little bit, but um, he, I like it when Marshan tries weird stuff once in a while. And this was a power play from a very strong angle, and he let it rip. And I, I don't think um, – the goaltender was ready for it, but either way, it winds up in the back of the net. And they, they they wound up in a tie, and they still needed a hero in the third. And enter Trent Frederick. Yeah, Trent Frederick, who all of a sudden now is a really important component to this team, don't you think, Ben? Oh, absolutely. He really has stepped up. I, I don't know what it is about this particular season. We've had him for a few now, but this has been one of his most impressive that I've ever seen out of the guy. Yeah, a pair of goals from him in the third period in Los Angeles, about, I don't know, just about a half a minute apart. And then uh, Ostenok. Yes, the the fight. And there was a fight that made a difference. It was a, you know, crystallizing, galvanizing type deal that was was timed well. And then um, and then Pasta gets to seal the deal um, and another win for the Bruins on the road. Doesn't matter on the road at home. <laughs> And then they're off to San Jose, where the they jump off to a good start. When I don't, did you see this game at all, Ben? Did you see Marshan's goal? I did. It was just 
ridiculous. I was really confused how he was able to hold the puck, making his way through not only the forward back checker, but also the D-man who was holding the line quite well. I guess they just decided it was a better idea to drift with Marshy as he pushed forward, and somehow he squeaks the puck through, and next thing you know, it's in the back of the net, and... You know, that's Marshy being Marshy, but, you know, that uh, I'm sure you saw him geek out about the uh, non-tripping call just the same. Yeah, yeah, he did, and that he he needs to get over that, really. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that referees don't forget. You know, you make an, uh, an embarrassing moment for them, and they're much quicker to put, and that's just human nature. I don't think they really intend to be, I'll get even with this guy, although there might be one or two out there that want to get even with him. But it's just when you have that kind of reaction, um, the referee has to have a, you know, a reaction to, the, to his action, and it's, and it's not going to be a good one. I wish he would get rid of it. He's better at it now, right? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. But it's been a long time since we've seen him lose his cool like that, smacking his stick on the ice, then he hits the boards, and he sits down, has another couple of whacks. I mean, you see that in youth league. You don't see that in the pros yeah, like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a, it's a highlight reel goal. And not only that, a nice, a nifty backhand to finish it off. So if, you have, if people haven't seen it, they should look it up on YouTube or wherever they get it. Um, but they're prone to giving up leads. Um, and... San Jose got a pair of goals to tie it, but enter David Postonok. Yeah, right. Gets, I mean, again, enter David Postonok. He gets a sweet feed from Marshan. San Jose backed off Posta, and I don't know why they would back. I don't know why any team would back off David Postonok now. There's no good reason, and he, he snaps it in late in the second. Uh, and despite having a Lindholm goal overturned, the Bruins got breathing room, and, and what a goal. Marchand from the corner feeds Bergeron, who's in the bumper position, and he just touched it. A one-touch pass to Postonok, who, you know, it was just it was just a thing of beauty. And Postonok made no mistake, of course, an easy finish. And the Bruins win, and Allmark wins again, and they all won again. And, and uh, <laughs> Right. You know, but I thought it was odd. They play in Los Angeles. And then they fly to San Jose, which is like an hour and a half flight. And Anaheim's about an hour bus ride down the road. I thought the schedule makers got it backwards there. Could have saved them a lot of hassle. I but thought anyway. that too. I actually did have that thought. And we talked about it a little bit in my uh, my group that we taught hockey. It's, it kind of seemed a little backwards, but we just, like you, chalk it up to the old schedule makers on that one, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it was... Uh, it was off to Anaheim at leaving San Jose, and this one was a laugher. Less than four minutes in, David Krejci feeds who else? Postanok, and he one times it for his 30th goal of the season. When we started this show back in whenever it was, October or November, I had said, um, I think it's time for Pasta to score 50 goals. I mean, he was on a pace to get it except the shortened season, a couple years ago but um you know he just seems to be in a zone right now that that is it's like anything we've seen in a long time when they haven't had a 50 goal score since cam neely in the early 90s correct i think that's correct ben are you still with me of course i'm still right here buddy i know that is absolutely correct and he's tearing it up on the way he is and and so pasta then returns the favor he 
Cretchy and all the Bruins are trying to do this now. They're finding a quiet spot on the ice. Guys like Bossy did that. Hull did that. And Krejci's not going to be that, that kind of goal scorer, but David Postenark is. So it's a David-to-David goal. And then Postenark strikes again for 31. And then Postenark strikes again for 32. I mean, Grizzlick with a, a breakaway pass and, again, a team that's sleeping while Postenark's on the ice is going to get burnt. Uh, how can you not find him out there? And then Marshan, Lindholm, Coyle, they make it a, a, a laughable affair. And they're 3-0 and on the trip, comfortably 3-0. and and uh, Literally, yeah. You, yes. you couldn't have made that one any more yeah. fee if you tried. And the record as we stand now at 40 games is 32-4-4. and I mean, it just... I think I suck on that for a little while, right? Right. I think I saw a stat earlier today that said this is the best Bruins start since quite literally the 1933-34 campaign. Yeah. I mean, they have 68 points. That's 11 more of the second place team Carolina in the conference. I mean, they're going to have to work to blow that lead. I mean, it's I mean, and I, they're not going to I don't see them slipping off badly. We'll talk about where they're going and, and maybe in the later section after we talk to John Forslund. But this is the second most in NHL history after 40 games. And the fact that they have gone 11-0-3 in their last 14 and still whatever the hell they are at home now, it's it's just... Unbeatable. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's it's um, It has... It's gone from being, you know, a surprise to I think now people are beginning to believe in them. You know, everybody had their doubts. Okay, they, they're missing McAvoy. They're they're going to be having trouble with him. Grizzlick was out. Marshan was out. And But from the drop of the puck, it's been nothing. And, and that, that brings me to Postonok. Of course, he's going to be in the All-Star game. Yep. First, first star of the week. Seven goals in the three road games. Seven. That's, I mean... What do you think you are, Wayne Gretzky? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's really... Um, you know, but he, he's, I, I listened to him be interviewed and he said, he doesn't take anything for granted. He said, my job is to score goals and I have to take it seriously. And he's now second only to Connor McDavid's 33 goals. And he's, I think is he's third or fourth in points. Um, he's passed Johnny Busick for all of, for all time Bruins hat tricks. I think he's third overall now. Um, a remarkable season for a guy who's in a contract year. You would think that some guys handle that situation differently. Uh, and they all handle it differently. But Postenok is one of those guys that is, seems to be happy-go-lucky enough. Knows, you know, he's going to get his he's going to get his pay. I want. I really do wonder, though. I wish I could get the answer to this question. If they put a insurance policy on him in case something happens to him. Oh, they must have at this point. I mean, uh, you can't you can't have your future franchise player who's currently lighting it up walking around without yeah. some kind of policy. No, well, it's way. hard. It's hard to get those anymore. I mean, the, the disability policies the league had for players was when it was tapped into at one point in a severe way and it made the costs ridiculously high. But I, I would think like you that somewhere along the line he would have had to have, you know, their his agent would have had to have done something. But it's still. It's not a done deal here, and I guess he didn't really want to talk about it in the off season very much, and they didn't. And now, you know, we're into January, 
And and it's getting kind of nerve wracking a little it, around it, it here. Is. It is. It is getting kind of nerve wracking. And I know that we we've talked a little bit about this, but the the money has to be dealt with carefully because they need to spread it around. And you know, if Krejci were to come back and Bergeron were to come back, there's no guarantee that they're going to give them hometown discounts as they did this time around. And you know, there are other guys that are going to need to be signed. And you know, when you have this level of success. It's sad. Tampa is the best example of it. They have great success, and they have to divest themselves of assets because it's the salary cap. It's the toughest salary cap in sports. And Tampa, you know, I mean, they still might rise up and give people a challenge, and their goaltender's always an issue. But they've been nicked so much because of money concerns that they become a, a weakened animal. And every, and every fashion. And that's, you know, we, we have mentioned before, that's what happens when you you have success. But I, I'm thinking now, if I'm David Postenach, I want to be the highest paid winger in, in the game. And that means he's got to get more than Artemi Panarin, who's about, I think, 11 and a half. And, you know, I might want to start talking about, I mean, it's more difficult for a winger than a, centerman to to max it out but this guy scoring at this kind of rate and at his age um you know i gotta think that he he could easily go in and ask for 13 or 14 million now easily and And, and they'd be silly not to give it to him honestly well i mean you gotta juggle everything and i would hope that postenach would not really want to give a hometown discount but would recognize that you know to pinch for every last penny, you know, it might be the American way, but right. it's going to hurt. It's <laughs> going to hurt the team in the long run. And you do want to have a successful winning hockey club. And mm-hmm. you get to that kind of level on one player. What, what is that percentage? It's like, I don't know what, 20% of your salary, not quite that high, but you know, 15% of your, your, your salary cap d- dedicated to one player. Yeah. And that that is going to put a pinch on on Don Sweeney. But I, I don't know what other choice he has at this point because watching him play hockey is like watching him paint up Picasso. His ability to now find the open space, even though people recognize his ability to score, uh, is the sign of a true talent. I mean, his passing is good. His goal scoring is good. His ability to find those holes where he presents himself as an option uh, is is something different. I mean, everybody knows he go to the one timer uh, on the power play, but now he's finding other spots on the ice. And the the goals came in several different ways over the road trip. Seven out of sixteen for his team. It's got my head shaking. It's shaking so much, I think we should take a break, Ben. <laughs> I agree with you. We'll be right back with our special guest John Farsland here on fifteen ten WMEX. This is Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury. Proudly brought to you by CatchesLaw.com. And that gloves off hockey with Mike Milbury, your friend Ben, and our special guest John Forslund joins us on the sports line. Thanks, Ben. John Forslund, longtime play-by-play guy for Hartford Whalers, Carolina Hurricanes, Seattle Kraken, did some work for NBC. How are you, John? I'm great, Mike. Great to hear your voice. Yeah, thanks. Um, you were uh, did you you went to Adelphi? I know you studied athletic management. How did you get into this gig? Well, 
I always wanted to do this. Like I wanted to do this when I was um, eight, ten years old, growing up in Springfield. Um, went through high school, told my guidance counselor. She said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to call hockey games in the NHL someday. It's like, you're crazy. So I went to college, uh, undergrad at Springfield College. I didn't study this. I took one course. It was a news director that taught the course. It was like an elective thing. It was a lot of fun. I voiced over the 1981 Super Bowl. was my final exam, and he told me, if you ever get a chance to do this, go for it because you got to get a knack for it. So I just kept it in the back of my mind. I wanted to work in sports in some capacity. I also had a, a teaching undergrad, phys ed. I wanted to maybe coach a little high school baseball or something like that. Uh, went to Long Island, did that, and then I came out of Adelphi, and I had an internship with the Springfield Indians in the American Hockey League in 1984. And I know you know the name Peter Cooney. He was the owner of the team. And uh, he gave me a chance to get on the air. And I just grabbed it, and they had another guy there, and he moved on. And I got the play-by-play gig, and I did that for seven years. And went to Hartford and uh, got a lot of good breaks. And Jimmy Rutherford gave me a chance. And that's it, man. That's how that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah, uh, you, those road trips in the AHL were tough, weren't they? I mean, well, seven I had an eight, years I survived, I survived an 18-day maritime road trip with Jimmy Roberts. And if you can do that, um, <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. Your, your team was in Buffalo a couple days ago. How deep is the snow? The snow's deep, uh, and the team is uh, a little bit better, but the Kraken right now are, are rolling, and it's fun to watch. And uh, it's been an incredible road trip. The Kraken are on a 14-day, seven-game road swing that started in Edmonton and went to Toronto, and Ottawa, Montreal, Buffalo, here tomorrow night, and then into Chicago before they go back home for one and go back on the road in the back-to-back off to Edmonton. So Western Conference travel is really something else, as you know. And um, But they're doing it, and they're they're fun to watch. Yeah, they, they, um, they're they doing it. And did, it, did anybody in the organization think this was going to happen? Was it some no. – is this a surprise, a big surprise? Yeah. They're comfortably I, I, in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, no, it is a surprise because I think, you know, Ronnie Francis and the organization lived with the Vegas comparison for way too long. Like they lived with it before they even drafted a team. And then when they drafted a team, everybody was like, oh, Seattle will do what Vegas did. They'll go to the Stanley Cup final in the first year. And it's really an unrealistic thing. And then the season started, and you had COVID, and you had all these challenges, and it was a mess. And he, he looked at the group, and he said a couple of things. He said, number one, I'm, I'm going to commit to a plan on how to do this correctly and accrue draft choices and get rid of some expiring contracts, which he did at the first trading deadline. And because he had that at, at his disposal, he was able to go out and make a few moves in the offseason, which have helped this year's team. But to get to this point right now where they have 24 wins and 52 points and 14 of those wins are on the road, they've already had one seven-game winning streak. They're going to try and win their seventh in a row tomorrow night. Um, no, to be honest, no one expected this. Um, and, you know, Dave Haxtall had his issues in the first year. And uh, there was a lot of talk about his situation, and I think he knew that. And uh, he's been coaching for, for his coaching life and 
has made a lot of great moves, and so far this thing is this thing has worked out. But I don't think Ronnie's going to come off the wheels here and and you know not look at a long term plan building around Beneers, building around Shane Wright. They've got a good group of young prospects. They're on the way up. They've got a really good American Hockey League team that's near or at first overall. So. You know, that's how they want to do it, and he kind of laid the foundation in Carolina, I saw it firsthand. That's what he did there, and the group they have now really is kind of dovetailed off of that. So that's the plan, and we'll see where it goes. Special teams, not so special, though. Their power no. play is right in the middle of the pack. The penalty killing is at the bottom of the barrel, less than less than 70%. That's not good. No, they, they had one stretch where they were fantastic and lasted – you know, four or five games. They're killed off like 25 straight, something like that. But it's been an issue. Uh, it's been something they're working on. On this road trip, they've been better, and they've faced, you know, Edmonton. They've faced uh, Buffalo, even though they're not in a playoff spot. They're a young team. They have a top-five power play. Um, they face Toronto. So they faced a lot of teams on this trip where they could kind of measure what he's trying to do, uh, they try to tweak a couple things, fix their up ice pressure, uh, you know, kind of, kind of make it better somehow. And of course, goaltending's a big, big thing, right? And yeah, yeah, last I, year the goal, goal, goaltending wasn't very good. This year, uh, it's a little bit better, especially Martin Jones. He's been a big surprise. Yeah, well, Grubauer was pretty good in Buffalo, right? But it's Martin Jones yeah. as the number one. Um, Neither one has got to have great numbers. Well, Jones has great numbers and win-loss, and that's what counts. But his save percentage is not particularly impressive. No, because they don't give up a ton of shots. You know, like if you look at the the shot totals, uh, the Kraken, you know, suppress shots. um, You know, goalies have to be in that Marty Brodeur situation where you're going to look at 20. You better be ready for one, two, maybe three. And if you're not, then uh, your percentage is going to stink. So I think that's kind of where they've been with that. Um, they'll take it. Um, the, they've got a real tough schedule. If you look at the standings, they've got games in hand, which mean nothing now, will mean something later. But it means they have to play more. They haven't. They had a lot of uh, favorable scheduling in the first half of the year, a lot of home games. Uh, that's going to change. And a lot of people, myself included, thought that this trip, could be a demise for them really when, when we got out of seattle it wasn't all hunky-dory they had been embarrassed at home by edmonton 7-2 they bounced back and beat the islanders a pretty good but a kind of a boring grinding game but they kind of got back to their identity and now they haven't lost on this road trip so we'll see where it goes yeah these road trips can really make or break a team and right. uh it's it's you know the bonding thing is is real i think and this team not being expected to do as well as it has, I think getting out there on the road and having this kind of success is, gonna, is really going to be special for them as they head into the stretch run. Well, um, you know, you hit on a, a really good thing there, and you know this. It's, it's vitally important, the bonding aspect, right? And I thought that in the first year, think about it, with COVID, with the protocols, and you know, a lot of time isolated, lockdown, um, an expansion team, they couldn't get together as a group of guys. They played together. They practiced together. They came to the rink every day. But they're 23 different guys with 23 different stories. So 
Some guys are ticked off. They were exposed. Some guys are happy. It's a new chance. It's a new beginning. And some guys are in the middle, right? But the, the teams that had their core together could could kind of, I think, get through it a little bit better because they already have bonded. Their families already know each other. This was like everybody was in a strange city under strange circumstances in Seattle. was like, really locked down like it was we travel around the country and go to other places and you wouldn't even think there was a COVID situation but in Seattle they were you know really tight about everything so it was it wasn't ideal and I think that played into the mindset and then when they came back this this fall for training camp I as an outsider I could see a difference I could feel it I could feel that they were in a better place mentally a little happier a little bit better with each other um and then this thing so far, has been like a storybook. So they've been able to do all the things that teams could do, and the management couldn't bond them either. They had a lot of things planned that they just couldn't do uh, because of the COVID. And this season, they could do the proper uh, bonding situations in training camp and get them out of town for a week and do all those things that we really couldn't do in year one. Talk to me about their defense a little bit. Vince Dunn putting up some pretty big numbers. I mean, remember him from St. Louis. He's He's getting the job done. Schultz is... Nice goal in Buffalo. Larson, those are their veteran guys, right? Yeah, Larson's been outstanding. You know, Veneers will go to the All-Star game, and uh, he deserves it. And he's certainly a young star, and it's, there's a lot of marketing, as you know, attached to that, so that's good. But for me, Adam Larson's been the anchor and maybe their most valuable player. Uh, he's in the high 20s every night with his minutes. Uh, I can't believe that Edmonton let him walk. Uh, it was kind of mutual. He wanted out of there too, but they had a chance to keep a real solid top four defenseman. And I think it's fair to say that he could play on anybody's team in the top four. I'm not saying he's going to win the Norris Trophy, but he's very, very solid. Uh, Vince Dunn played in back of uh, Mark Giordano last year and a lot of the ice time, especially on the power play, that kind of is in his wheelhouse, went to Giordano. But as the season went along and it, and it went as it did, Francis, as you know, moved him to Toronto. That opened up a spot that gave the coaches a chance to see Dunn a little bit differently. I think they didn't trust him in the first year of this. This season they do. He and Larson have been together, Mike, for every game um, as a tandem. And the Kraken have been very lucky that one through six, they haven't changed the pairs really at all. Uh, touch wood, they've been okay with injuries, so there hasn't been an issue there. Schultz has kind of fortified the group, another veteran guy that has a little bit of an offensive side to his game. Um, he's a little suppressed in Washington as a third-pairing guy. He's on a second pair with Seattle with Alexiak, who uh, is six seven, but sometimes doesn't play to his size, but has this year. And he can play the angles and use his reach and play his play the physical game, which is when you wind him up and he gets physical, he's he's tough to play against. And then Susie and Borgen have been a really good third pair. So that continuity has led to their five on five game and how they how they play defensively, allow the goalies to to be just what they're supposed to do and, and, and be good. Um and, and but the D has been a very good uh, uh surprise really for the crack in this season of how consistent they've been. Uh, you mentioned that they were fun to watch. They're now, I think, third in the league in scoring and yeah. goal scoring. Is that right? I mean, that's that. Yeah. Uh, nobody saw that coming. No. McCann looks like he's on a pace to get thirty goals. Uh, Burakovsky's been reborn. 
Uh, and we'll talk about, of course, the kid from Hingham, Marty Nunez, yeah. is having a... Maybe been years, yep. Yeah, Beniers is having a, a tremendous start to his career. Describe their offense to us. Well, Francis looked at this last year, and and by the numbers, they did had improved by a goal. Okay, so the goalies weren't any good in the first year, and so that was one thing. But they did look at their defensive numbers, and the, the uh, shot suppression was there, and they liked some of the things they were doing as a as a group. But how do you get the scoring there? And so when you look at the group of 12 forwards, they roll out. They have balance with all four lines. They're not going to knock your socks off with superstar players. You can't expect that really in an expansion team. But they're scoring coming from every single line, every single game. And and it comes in waves. And because of that, you know, if a line has an off night, there's two other lines that are not having an off night. Or there's three lines going. Or there's at least one line that's going. Um and what he did was uh, there's there's five guys added to the group of 12 forwards that were not there. So Jaden Schwartz was injured most of last season, couldn't gain any traction. He's been healthy all year and has been a big plus. Um, Brandon Tanev was injured in December, and he's an energetic guy, as you know, and he plays with a lot of emotion, and he's a fourth-line grinder and penalty killer, but the fans love him, and when he – left the team major knee injury they had a lot of energy sucked right out of the fan base and out of the room so he was gone um maddie Beniers came at the end of the season played 10 games at nine points uh, a lot of hoopla surrounding him but it was in the at the end of the season where those games can get silly depending on who you're playing teams that are in they're not really completely there because they know the playoffs are starting soon teams that are long gone right but he was able to jump in and at least get his feet wet. He looked really good. And then Burakovsky um, was a free agent, mid-range free agent, but a chance for him to come in and get like well, the ice time that he needs to take his game to the next level. So you bring him in, good puck skills, good shooter. Uh, he's won a couple of cups. And then there's Bjorkstrand. And Ronnie had draft choices that he accrued at last year's trading deadline, and they signed Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus, and Bjorkstrand's available, so he wheels some draft choices and gets him. So that's five forwards to the 12 that weren't part of the first year, and every single one of those guys has just fit in with Eberly, and you mentioned McCann and Wenberg and Yanni Gord, and they even plucked Ellie Tolvin, and who's only played a half dozen games, but they got him off waivers from Nashville. Um, he's a shooter. Uh, he looks good when they put him out there on the power play. But he's even playing now in a, in a vein that I think he didn't show in Nashville. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let him go. And uh, on the fourth line, they've got, got they've got Daniel Sprong, who I think leads the league in goals per minute in terms of his ice time. He's got 13 goals. He only plays about 10 minutes a night. So they have tremendous scoring balance. And they even had a game this year in L.A. They won it in overtime 9-8. And that was the most uh, ugly, remarkable game I've ever seen yeah. in my career. But it was Those a lot of fun. fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, Listen, we got to take a break. Can I ask you to come back for one more segment here and oh, talk a little absolutely. bit about the team? Thanks, John. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll be right back. Right back at it here on Gloves Off Hockey with your host, Mike Milbury. Special guest, John Forsland. I'm your friend, Ben. 
Gentlemen, I got to get your take on the all-star coaching selection as we make our return back here. And, uh, Mike, I'm not sure if you've seen the list quite yet, but it has been decided. Rob the Bod, Brindamore from the Carolina Hurricanes will take the Metropolitan Division. Our very own Jim Montgomery will take the Atlantic. Peter DeBoer will take Central. And guess what? Old friend Bruce Cassidy going to take in for his division. So what are our takes on this, guys? And where do we start with that? I'll start with that. It's all earned by these guys. They're all good guys who've done an awfully good job. And Jim Montgomery, uh, certainly nobody can argue that being the right choice for for him. But in general, John, with Montgomery doing this kind of job, did any – have you ever seen a start like this Bruins team is having? No. And, and, you know, my partner, one of my partners, of course, I work with Eddie Olchek now, and uh, JT Brown does, does uh, color with us, too. And uh, he's good friends with Casey Middlestat. And after the game last night, he went down and talked to Casey, and Casey's like, wait till you guys see Boston. They're like the old Russian Red Army right now. He said it's just another level. Like you think you're playing well as a team, and then you play the Bruins. And it's a, it's a different story. No, and you know what, Mike? Uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming, right, if they're telling the truth. Um, when you look at the injuries the Bruins had at the start of the season on the back end, the coaching change, the kind of shift in in uh, the generation of, of, of their older guys and where they're at right now and where they're going, uh, not a lot of people gave the Bruins a chance to be in this thing the way they are, not to be in and to now to see them at the top of the league and unbeatable at home and all these different things uh, from the goal out. I mean, it's been tr- uh, great to watch uh, and good for Jim. I mean, he's put himself back in a great position. I think everybody knew that he was going to be a fantastic coach and was doing a great job and had a, a couple of issues that he had to look after and did to his credit. And for Butch, uh, you know, he moves in there and, and Vegas with a young goalie has been a great story out in the West. I mean, did you see uh, that again, coming? Did, did you see the coaching no, change? Coming? No, because I thought Calgary at the start of the season was the best team in the Pacific. And, you know, I knew LA would, they're well coached and they play to a system and, you know, they're going to, they're going to be there. They're going to, they're going to hang around, but then, and then there's Edmonton with their world-class talent and all these different things, but the division's there to be had in the Pacific. You know, it's, it's a, it's a different ball game than it is in the East. And, um, and so Vegas was like, yeah, okay. They've got a nice collection of of players older. um, And are they going to be, is the goalie going to be any good? And he's an all-star Logan Thompson. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a great story, and I'm I'm happy for everybody here, the four guys, because Pete DeBoer, wherever he's been, has done an excellent job, and uh, so he gets kind of the bums rush out of Vegas, ends up in Dallas, and takes them to a new level. Rick Bonus is taking Winnipeg to a to a new level with that team. He's not in this mix, but he's another guy who's moved around, and then uh, Brenda Moore. I, I know all about him, and he's just a fantastic coach that uh, that has a great way to relate to young players in today's game and get the most out of them. And they got a heck of a team there in Carolina. Yeah, they they were on a real tremendous roll and then hit a little bit of a speed bump. But um, you know, we're looking at this Bruins team as good as David Pasternak is having season. Yeah. Connor Connor McDavid has twenty more points than. David Boston yeah. and uh, and 
what the hell is up with the Edmonton Oilers? How can they not figure this out with he and Dreisaitl being the talented players that they are? Is it all about the goaltending or is it defense is too thin? Because it seems yeah. to me like something's got to give Edmonton while these guys are in the prime of their careers. I'd hate to see them come and go without a real run to a cup. That's right. And, and it's happening year after year. And sure, it, it's, it's goaltending. And if it wasn't for Stuart Skinner, they'd be in a boatload of trouble right now with their goalies because Campbell just hasn't delivered. And maybe he will, but they gave him a sweetheart deal, and it hasn't worked out so far. Uh, Skinner's a young goaltender. Uh, he's kept them in games. I'm not sure he's the complete difference maker either, but it's their back end, and the back end is thin. Uh, they live off a power play that can hit over 30% and does. They live off two world-class players who can just take the game and score at will. Uh, they make it look easy. Um, but it, it's not a winning uh, program right now, and it's not a lock to make the playoffs, and they could miss the postseason. So you're going to have to ask your question, the question, if you have two of the best players in the world, um, why aren't you a lock to make the playoffs? You know, And they did go to the conference final. I get all of that. Um, last season, but it was still kind of the same thing. They had to have a coaching change. They had a you know change on the fly a little bit. Evander Kane's been injured, and he was good at the end of last season. But you know, when you're looking at a back end that misses Duncan Keith at the end of the of his career, and he was that good for them last year, but you know his his best days are were behind him, and now he's retired, and and that's all you have. Um, they're going to have to do something. They're, they're definitely going to have to do it. And if they don't make the playoffs, uh, they might have to have some kind of uh, a bigger shakeup. Who knows? Because it's just not not a good recipe right now. You mentioned Dallas. Have you seen them much? And, and, and I mean, right now it looks like Ben and Sagan are kind of the second-line players. And it's it's Robertson yeah. and Hintz and, and the old man Pavelski getting the job done. Yeah. And they're, they look like they're going to be in the mix. Yeah, I, I told Eddie the other night we were talking about teams in the West, and I we haven't seen them yet. I haven't had them, you know, with TNT, or uh, so I haven't had my eyeballs on them in person, but I've seen a bunch of it on television. Um, I think they're really good, and I think they're, they might be the best team in the West right now. Um, and again, <clears throat> it's from the goal out, right? Jake, Jake Ottinger <clears throat> is at an excellent, excellent season. And uh, still a young goaltender that they can really go build around. But that line of Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski is electric. And Jason Robertson is a real talent. Like, he's a talent that needs to be discussed with all the high-end guys. You know, when you bring up McDavid, I mean, not completely to that level, because that's off the charts when he's, when he's on. But statistically, it's there in Matthews. You know, and you go down the list here, uh, Thompson's had a hell of a year in, in Buffalo, but but uh, but this Jason Robertson is a, is a really, really good player with great hands. They've got terrific chemistry as a line. Their back end is solid. Um, Haskinen can log a ton of minutes. Lindell's an underrated guy. Uh, Suter's been a good veteran pickup for them on the back end. Even that hawk and paw hits hard. He's physical. Um, that's a that's a really good team, and 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 again, it, it just a change of voice in the room in terms of coaching. It's amazing what it what it what effect it has on a lot of these teams in this season. Yeah, I, I, and Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, you mentioned uh, new coach. They 
they take the captaincy away from Blake Wheeler, and somehow, some way, that those actions turn out to be important. And this team now looks with with their goaltender playing at the level he's playing at, yeah. looks like they could scare a lot of people. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck is is might be the best, you know, Vasilevsky for sure, but Hellebuck is is there and is having a, a, a tremendous season. Uh, Shifley is. Josh Morrissey, unbelievable. Like, he's on a pace, Mike. If it keeps going, somebody said the other day, 96 points. Um, so he's going to be in the Norris conversation, and I have seen that team. Yeah, and that I've seen it. Real. That team I... is real. And, it, and Dave Lowry's on the coaching staff of the Kraken now, and I was talking with him the other day, and he just said that they, they needed – they had guys you can relate to it. They just had a comfortable group of players, right? And so Wheeler's still there, and he's injured now, and he's on his way back. But uh, they're going to get him back. They just got Ehlers back. But Wheeler was their longtime captain, but maybe stale, right? So the Palmeries had to leave, go somewhere else. Lowry took over. He tried to do the best he could, but he said the group is really solid, but they needed to be maybe scared a little bit. And uh, she just shaked the floor, and that's what happened. And Bones got, has gone in, and with his uh, with his program, and it, it's it's working. And, and they're legit; they're really good. Yeah, you know, I've I've hired Rick Bonus and fired him three times. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I know. Jeez, but he. I'm glad it's going well for him because he's one of the nicest guys in the game, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know right. anyone that has a bad word to say about him. No, he's great. He's great, uh, and he, he too for. You know, uh, you know, we're all getting up there, right? But I mean, he still relates to to the younger to the younger kids, just the way he he, he presents himself and, and his coaching and everything. I can't believe it over over twenty six hundred games behind the bench. That's amazing. It, it is. Um, your old team, Carolina, was on a tear. And uh, have you talked to anybody back in your old hometown that uh, talks oh, about yeah. the team? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I watch them closely. I uh, I got a lot of friends there still, um, so I I keep a I keep an eye on what they're doing. Um, they're 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 interesting, right? They they still have to prove that they can take it to another place. They still have to prove, and they couldn't do it last year. If you cannot win a road game in the playoffs, um, that's a to me that's a concern. You know, like they they've, they've they've got a collection of great young talent. And, and, and guys like Slavin and Pesci, real good defensemen. Um, they added Brent Burns, you know, they got a career year out of D'Angelo. He leaves, got career seasons out of Dougie Hamilton. He leaves. They're able to almost play rotisserie hockey with their management. They're almost, that's what they do. And they kind of fit guys in and hope that it works. And at some point I wonder you know, will it work? I, I don't know. You know, so Pacioretty's just coming back to their group. Um, they, you mentioned they were on a run, 14 games, I think it was, um, without a without a loss or a little point streak that they had, just regulation, uh, overtime losses, but whatever. But now they've gone four games now where they, they've lost. And so, um, again, I think it's, it's a, the next step is the hardest one. So they'll make the playoffs. There's no question. They might win the first round. They need to get to the third round at least with this team. Uh, they're going to have some contracts, you know, come up in a couple of years, including Sebastian Ajo in a couple of seasons. He's going to be a young, unrestricted free agent in just two years. 
Um, so their time is now. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Do you have any belief that Toronto can get out of the first round? No, not if they have to play Tampa again. And it looks like you know that might be the case. Um, we just went through there. It wasn't a good night for the Leafs. Um, no, I, I I don't know. They the goalies have been good, <clears throat> but again, you're going to ask Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov to to do it when it counts. Uh, great forward group. That's obvious. Uh, defense okay, um, but if you play Tampa Bay in round one, you know based on the playoff formula the way it is, here you go again. Um, you know, can you beat them? Uh, the Lightning still have. Uh, Amazing, amazing talent. You got Kucherov, who's lights out again. Stamkos, Point, Hedman, the goalie, the coach. It's it's them, and so that we could be faced with that matchup again. I covered it last year in the spring. It was great, um, but it's it's it'll be a hurdle for the Leafs. There's no question. And one last team to talk about, which I think has been a remarkable turnaround, is Washington. Ovechkin, of course, trying to chase after Gretzky after catching Howe, and then without Wilson, without Backstrom, yeah. and for long yeah. stretches without Oshie, they, they find themselves right back in the mix. I think they're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 games. That's pretty hard to, that's pretty hard to do with, a, I think, one of the oldest teams in the league. Right, and now major injury to John Carlson, right? So now they, they, they don't have him, and they were on the mat. They were down. It looked like they were old, slow. It's over. It's not going to happen. Uh, there was whispers about Laviolette, and now they've come off the mat, and they're they're really good again, and they're getting players back, and and Kemper's finding his groove, and uh, so they're getting strong goaltending. Um, they're 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 a force. They're a force, and Ovechkin is just. You know, he's 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 an unbelievable story. Just a, just an unbelievable story. How he he's doing this, but they they've they've got a lot of traction out of Sonny Milano. It's interesting. Some of the players that have um, have given them real good play, and I think you you know you will. I think you'll agree with me because you had them, and 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 Peter Laviolette gets mileage out of players that are the guys you don't expect, right? I remember. Sean Bates and how he played, you know, for the Islanders back in the day under Peter. Um, I remember Chad LaRose in Carolina as a kid who shouldn't even have made the team, ended up scoring 30 goals for a season in the NHL. And, you know, most people don't even know who I'm talking about, right? But when you look at uh, Milano and Garnet Hathaway and Nick Dowd, um, you look at their, their seasons, they've scored some big goals for this team. Uh, Obey Cubell, another guy, fourth liner. I mean, he gets mileage out of players, and he's done it in various stops along the way. And sure, like most coaches, it, it, it gets sour at the end, and, you know, he moves on to another spot. But you can't argue his record and his winning record and all the stops along the way. So he's had a lot to do with it, too. Um, last question, actually. Your thoughts on the game tomorrow night? What can we expect? Well, this is a great spot for the team that I cover. Like the Kraken now can get to a game on a road trip where I'm not going to say they are, are going to be comfortable, but at least they're going to play with not a lot of pressure uh, in terms of where they are when the game's over. When the game's over, they'll be 
five and one if they lose. They'll be five and one on a seven game trip over fourteen days going coast to coast. They'll have one more game in Chicago with a realistic chance to be six and one. So I think they're gonna come into tomorrow night's game feeling really good about where they're at. They have team identity, they have confidence, they know how to play for each other. That's the other thing they're doing too. They're really sticking up for each other, which is it's great to watch. And with good goaltending, they're going to come into a place where nobody's won in regulation, and they're going to push a team that's been idle since Sunday and is the best team in the league. So they, to me, are in a spot to play with the old no pressure and uh, just let it all hang out and kind of measure yourself against the Bruins. Um, I can't wait to watch the game. I think it's going to be great. I think the way the Kraken play will be a real good test for the Bruins because they will get into a in-your-face grinding style, checking style of defensive hockey, and I think it will be a terrific hockey game. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. It's good to chat with you. And uh, where's thank dinner you. tonight? Uh, in and around the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, where nice. I'm, not going, I'm not going too far. I've got some friends here, so we might eat. We might eat it in and around the area here. So I'm, I'm in a good location. I'll be all right. All right. Good man. All Good right, man. Thanks, man. Good to chat and uh, have a great, great rest of the Mike. season for great you and your crack. And, uh, and it's great. The game's in a better place with Mike Milbury. Trust me. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. John Forslund joined us here on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury, your friend Ben here. Wrapping this one up with a pretty little bow, and I think the Bruins, well, John just kind of nailed it. They've been sitting idle, Mike, but I think they got this one. This should be a really good contest coming up tomorrow night. You know, I, I don't know how they played it. I think they came back from the West Coast, and then they, they took two days off, right? They should have if they didn't. typical you know, Montgomery kind of approach, but he gives them plenty of time off. And now they get a chance to practice and get ready to play it. I don't think that this is a team... Seattle that they'll take for granted. I think they've seen the growth in Seattle's performance. And, you know, this is the first of three home games. They play Toronto and Philly subsequent to this game. And then the next six out of seven games in in their future on the road at the Islanders and the Rangers. Uh, Then they're home for one game versus San Jose. Then they're at Montreal and Tampa Bay at Florida at Carolina. Those are some toughies along the way. Uh, and after that swing, if the pace of 850 continues, you can count on just about everybody becoming uh, believers. It, it's, it's still too early to keep them with the greatest teams of all time, but Kevin DuPont did that. He compared them to the 1976-77 Montreal Canadiens, which happened to be my first full year in the National Hockey League. Let me go down that roster, or partially that roster. They were, by the way, they were in the midst of winning four consecutive cups. Not easy to do that. They had on that roster Yvonne Cornway, Hall of Famer. Ken Dryden, Hall of Famer. Bob Gainey, Hall of Famer. Guy Lafleur, Hall of Famer. Guy Lapointe, Hall of Famer. Jacques Lemaire, Hall of Famer. Larry Robinson, Hall of Famer. Serge Savard, Hall of Famer. Steve Shutt, Hall of Famer. That is crazy. I mean, I literally could have just taken a wild guess at the list you were reading off of, and it didn't sound like a roster lineup, I'll tell you that. I mean, that is that is half the team 
is is in in the Hall of Fame. It's and more like an alumni award. <laughs> yeah, not we we actually I because I checked our own team, we had four Hall of Famers versus their nine: uh, Park, Cheevers, Rattel, and Busick. Uh, but that wasn't that's not even half the number that they had. And you know today's Bruins, Bergeron's going to be in, right? No doubt. No doubt. Does does Krejci get in? I would think so, just for all maybe, he's done. Maybe. Maybe. I would think so. Marsh, Marshan, probably. Mm-hmm. Postanok, McAvoy, Lindholm, Allmark, all way too early to, tra- to, to to say, but a couple of them are tracking in that direction. Uh, and all the way, by the way, their coach was Scotty Bowman, Hall of Famer. <laughs> was that all? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, I mean, player after player, coach after coach, it, it was just, you know, and we had to play them. My first three years, we went to the Stanley Cup final, lost in four games, Stanley Cup final the following year, lost in six games. And then in 79, in the semifinals, we shot ourselves in the head with too many men on the ice penalty. But So as much as this has been a remarkable start, and I understand why Kevin is doing it, you know, their 850 winning percentage, which is just incredible. Yeah. They're on, they're on pace for 139 points, seven points more than that team in Montreal that I just mentioned to you. Uh, that's the pace. I don't think they can keep that up, but I, I, I think they're they're making me believe that they, they are legitimate contenders now, but I, I don't know that any team can keep that up in this particular era and with this much travel, but I guess we're going to find out. But that stretch of six and seven on the road in some pretty – Tough places to play uh, might solidify it for it. They score five on five. They score in the power play. Their goals against is good. Their penalty killing is good. Um, but so far, the last cup, as I looked at it, was in 2011, and that was some time ago. Yeah, it's hard to believe how long ago it truly was, man. But, you know, in the last two minutes here of the show, Mike, got to tell you, the trade deadline's coming up quick. March 3rd is just around the corner. And with the bees the way they are right now, who would you consider to be bringing onto this team or who would you consider available for trading purposes, if any? I, You know, he's already waived a guy like Craig Smith who scored the other night, but I don't, he's not, I don't know what happened to him. I, I kind of liked him as a player, but now he's trying to find his way back. I mean, Maybe Montgomery can, you know, we fit him into a better spot and, and uh, maybe get his confidence back. But if I were concerned, like, their top six defensemen are fine. They're good. I mean, they're better than fine. McAvoy and Lindholm are number one defensemen. But um, I think we both would agree that playoffs come around and people get hurt, uh, and a blue line in particular. And I'm not convinced that Strawman or Zborl or Mike Riley are going to be good enough to get the job done. So if I were thinking there's a position that we the team needs to strengthen or at least deepen, not even strengthen, deepen, it would be the blue line. And uh, I, I guess that's my last comment, Ben. Well, I dig it, and I'm right there with you, buddy. Mike, really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, next week, we're going to revisit the uh, Peter McNabb story and uh, cover that interview. Um, And, Mike, I hope you all the best in the meantime, my friend. Thank you so much for being here with us on WMEX. Okie doke, Ben. Take care. 
Right on. Here on 1510, you've been listening to Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury. That's right. Tell your friends. Radio and hockey is fun again. Stay tuned. The music never stops here on Wimax. WMEX Quincy Boston. Streaming at WMEXBoston.com.